This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have a special NBC broadcast from August 12, 1943. It features Clark Gable and Don Hollenbeck reporting from an Air Force base in England. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcast, where you can find links to past episodes other information, and our online store. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash ww2radio. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here, and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 1 p.m. G-R-U-E-N, Gruen Watch time. If you need a new watch, make your selection now from a complete display of Gruen watches in every price range. Leroy's, 633 South Broadway. The National Broadcasting Company takes you now to England for a special broadcast by Captain Clark Gable, United States Army Air Force. This is Don Hollenbeck speaking from a heavy bomber station of the United States 8th Army Air Force somewhere in England. You know what this 8th Air Force has been doing to Hitler's European prison by day, adding its weight and increasing force to the mighty blows of the Royal Air Force at night. You know, too, of those sentences in the communiques that say... Despite heavy opposition by enemy fighters, the flying fortresses and the liberators got through. Put their bombs squarely on the target. Precision bombing that has no equal. But those forts and libs would never have got to their targets if it weren't for teamwork. Pilots, bombardier, navigator, radio man, and the gunners who engage in fierce aerial duels with the fighters the enemy sends up to stop them. Up to tonight, 8th Air Force gunners have shot down more than 990 German planes since last August when we got into this air war. These men handle the 50 caliber guns in sub-zero temperatures. But there are three of them here now to tell you something about their job. The name of one of them you know, Captain Clark Gable. And the names of the other two you should know. Because they've done what I've only seen on one trip in a flying fortress to Antwerp. Meet the first gunner, Sergeant Thomas Hansberry, 23 years old of Philadelphia. He shot down two FWs, two ME-109s, and damaged two other FWs. For that, he wears the Distinguished Flying Cross. Tom enlisted December the 8th, 1941, when a lot of other young Americans went to war. He's been on the required number of missions. He's earned the rest. From now on, Tom will be on the ground, 
teaching other gunners the things he's learned in those many brushes with death as a tail gunner in a flying fortress. The real hot spot, isn't it, Tom? Hot and cold out there at the same time, Captain Gable. And now, another gunner. This time with a group I'm assigned to. Sergeant Philip Hall, 20 years old of Springfield, Missouri. His dad's a Protestant minister. Phil has always wanted to be a sky pilot, too. A real flyer. He enlisted just a year ago. Went to gunnery school at Harlingen, Texas, where he led his class of 142 men. Phil is a top turret gunner. He's only been on three missions. But on those three missions, he's seen a lot. Enough to know that after you get through with the training courses back in America, as fair as they are, you've got a lot more to learn about war in the air. Is that right, Phil? No kidding about that, Captain Gable. To learn about war in the air, you've got to go to war in the air. That's what I'm doing now. I'm after my Bachelor of Gunnery degree by shooting it out with the Huns. Here's to a graduation with honors, Phil. Captain Gable, a lot of people back home are interested in knowing more about the job you're doing here in England at this bomber station. Well, I'll start from the day I came into the Army as a private. August 12, 1942. First... They taught me how to be a soldier. Then I went to the officer's candidate school at Miami, learned how to be an officer. And next, to the gunnery school at Tyndall Field in Florida, where I learned how to be a gunner on a flying fortress. Then I flew to England with a crew of Air Force cameramen assigned to a bomb group. And here's where our real job begins. We're in the graduate school of gunnery now, learning it in combat, and trying to report what we learn in a form that will help the gunners back home to know what to expect when they go out on their first missions. All right, what can they expect? What are some of the things you've picked up in the higher art of gunnery? I can tell you a lot of things, Don, but most of them would be second-hand information. I've only been on one mission so far, to Antwerp, and I went on that one as an observer, not as a gunner. Let's get this information hot off the gun barrel. We've got two men here, one a freshman, one a graduate. A real doctor of gunnery. They'll know the answers. All right, the freshman first. Sergeant Holt, how in the dickens can you fire a machine gun and expect to hit anything when it's 30 below zero or colder, when you've got an oxygen mask over your face, when the plane you're in is doing side flips, evasive action, and when the FW-190s and ME-109s are blazing away at you, and ducking at the same time. First off, how do you keep from freezing in that substratosphere? Well, Don, first I put on a layer of winter woolen. Then a sky blue electrically heated suit with wires running all through it like snakes. If you get, get a short circuit and it burns up, they do sometimes. You look like a road map or the victim of a mini-act tattoo artist. Cover all go on over that. Maybe a piece of old parachute for a scar. Silk gloves under heated gloves. Line shoes overheated shoes, and yet I've still been kind of chilly up there. He's forgotten something. Hasn't he, Captain Gable? A handkerchief, maybe. Sergeant Hulse has forgotten his tin hat. That's right. That's one thing you learned over here in combat that we didn't learn at home. Those tin hats the infantrymen wear save the lives of lots of rail gunners. Now the doctor of gunnery. Sergeant Hansbury, what if your gun jammed? That's one thing you learn at home. You know that gun inside out, even when it's 30 degrees below. With all that comet and rig on you, 
With the plane doing evasive action, with the enemy around you, you can put that gun back in working order. But one thing you learn over here, don't take your gloves off to fix that gun. It's a natural thing to get rid of clumsy gloves so that you can work better. But if you do, the metal on the gun is so cold at that height that you'll simply leave part of your hand sticking to it. But you did learn at home, Tom, to have that gun in perfect working order before the takeoff. A good gunner actually sleeps with his gun, takes it to quarters with him. But they can jam in the air, and they do sometimes if they freeze. That's another thing combat training taught us, Captain Gable. You've got to keep these heavy English dew off these babies. Wipe and oil them constantly so they don't freeze in the air. You feel a lot easier in your mind up there. A lot less nervous if your gun has perfect tension below. A gunner needs all the assurance he can get. High-altitude combat is a terrific strain on nerves and muscles. Sergeant Hansberry has a story that will make you see that. How he shot down his first FW. But take it, Sergeant. It's your yarn. It was my first mission. Last November over Brest at 19,000. I saw this fox wolf sitting out there at 9 o'clock low. Then he started to ride right under my tail. Boy, was I scared, and I saw that black cross on his wings. Looked like it had my name on it. He slipped away, then he came back into 6 o'clock. Got up to within 100 yards of me. Fire shooting out at him at me. I just fell asleep on the trigger, gave him short burst. Got him right behind the pilot, and down he went. And you've gone through a lot of those. Now, Tom, a couple of questions. What did you draw a bead on? Just then. The FW was out there at 9 o'clock low. What does that mean? That means he was coming in at right angles to the fortress and below it, Tom, from the pilot's left. 3 o'clock would have meant from the right, exactly opposite. It's an easy and quick way of translating compass directions by assuming that the plane is flying straight toward 12 o'clock on the dial. Now, about those bursts the sergeant talked about. Just what do these 50 caliber shells you toss at the FWs look like? And how many can you toss every minute, Captain Gable? 50 caliber shell is half an inch wide, five and a quarter inches long, including the case, tapering to a colored nose. Armor-piercing shells have black noses, and tracers, red ones. You see, we throw their own axis colors at them, and we throw them fast, at the rate of about 600 rounds a minute. What does it sound like? That's it. That's the music of the machine gun. That's sweet hearing, but it's right in the ears of a hug. I'd like to speak for the first in class again, Captain Gale, about this shooting. We're learning to develop an instinct. It just isn't time up there to think things out. The enemy is changing his tactics every day we meet him. We've got to keep right up with him and on top of him. We've got to make those 600 rounds a minute count. That's a good point, Phil. Tactics change so rapidly at the front that revisions simply can't be made in the training schedule to fit the needs. Any more than modifications in bomber design can be put into the production line as fast as combat experience demands. But the thing that can and must be developed back home is the instinct for wing shooting to train you so that you become adaptable to any circumstances that come up. You're uh, grinning, Tom. Fill it. 
I was just thinking, Captain Gable, there's one thing you simply can't begin to have any idea of until you're in actual combat. What's that, Tom? It's how not to get scared when you see those 20-millimeter shells from an enemy fighter exploding closer and closer to you. Well, a guy tries to get you in range and nail you. I've been through it a lot of times. You just learn to do your job in spite of being scared the first few times. That's learning war in the air the hard way, but the only way. And some of the gunners have learned this war in the air the hardest way of all. They haven't come back. They've given their lives to do what everybody said couldn't be done. Carry the forts and the libs through the hot fighter belt, right to the target, and brought them home again. Mostly. Think about that mostly when you read the communique. Four of our bombers are missing. That means 40 men missing, too. And remember, a lot of the bombers who do get home carry dead gunners with them. We're learning a lot from the experiences of the first of the few. The men who less than a year ago began learning it the hardest way. They've made our job easier. Fighters who've been around tell me this is a big leap. The toughest front of the air war. The black and the fighter opposition are bitter. I've seen enough of it to know what our gunners are up against. And I'll repeat what I said at first. Here's our real job to learn what the gunners have to face in combat. To report what we learn in a form that will help the gunners back home to know something of what to expect when they get here. Sergeant House, good hunting. Thanks, Captain Gable. The gun gets an extra wife. Sergeant Hansbury, congratulations on your fourth enemy plane. It was a pleasure. Good teaching, Captain Clark Gable. And don't forget your tin hat. This is Don Hollenbeck returning you now to New York. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard a broadcast which has featured Captain Clark Gable, United States Army Air Force, speaking from London, England. This is the National Broadcasting Company.